All right, if we can go ahead and uh, find your way back to your seats. We still have 55 minutes before we have to finish. You guys are in for a treat. I was kidding. Uh, just a few uh, quick announcements. Uh, there's really not much going on right now. It's summertime, so so many people are coming and going. Uh, please continue for all those travel. Continue to pray for all those traveling. Um, a couple things. One, uh, if you haven't heard, uh, Samuel, Colin and Megan's son, Samuel went in and had uh, the the surgery, like it was a, just a checking things out kind of surgery, and they couldn't find anything. So it's kind of good and bad. They couldn't find anything wrong, but uh, there were still some you know things that they're trying to track down to what the source was. So um, I did speak to Colin last night and they are gonna I guess they are trying now at this point to go ahead and head back to the states sooner than later now um, so just go ahead and you know if you get time drop them a line give them a call just tell them you're praying for them supporting them and um, I think their intention is to go ahead and make the move the transition back to the states and start getting things set up for the next school year uh, for Colin's new job so be praying for them uh, as well and um, Steve is still in India so please pray for him. Things are going well there. I believe he's back either Monday night or Tuesday. So, uh, so he'll be here next week. So hopefully, you know, if you're waiting for him and tired of seeing me, then next week's your week to be here. So um, yeah, so we welcome you back for that. There you go. If you would turn in your Bibles to uh, the Book of Genesis, we're going to be there again today, making it easy on you. Um, first book of the Bible, chapter three. And last year, those of you, last year, <laughs> feels like last year, uh, last week, for those of you who were here, uh, we, we, we uh, went over the image of God in man, right? And that we all, all people bear the image of God. And as I was, you know, I thought about this and prayed about it, and I thought, you know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good way to bring the pendulum back center a, a bit. Um, sometimes we can focus on how good we are or think that we're good and your pastor's here to help you realize that we're not all great okay so do you love me good because i love you and we're going to talk about today what sin and it, it, i touched on it last week and, and the effects that sin had on man okay and what we have to deal with what we're left with after adam and eve uh, fell in the garden so to the title of today's message is The Image of Man, okay? Last week, Image of God. This week, The Image of Man, and we're going to take a look at this. If we look around the world today, I don't think we have to look very far to realize that something went horribly wrong somewhere along the way. Um, I was looking at, like, headlines. I was going to share some of them with you today, and I just was overwhelmed by, in fact, I'm turning off my notifications on my phone because every time something comes up, it's like, you know, I don't want to bury my head in the sand, but it's just overwhelming at the, the things, the horrific things that are going on in this world. There's some things I was going to share headline-wise that I couldn't even share because of our front row here. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to sit and look at where our world is headed and what our world has become. But the reality is, is it's doing exactly what it's supposed to. Meaning, after... Adam and Adam and uh, Eve fell in the garden, sin entered the world, and so what are people doing today? They are sinning, right? Sin is abundant. Sin is, it's very clear that uh, people, many people in the world have not made Jesus the Lord of their lives. And so that is why we look around and we see uh, the world and the state that it's in. Now, we are said in the Bible, it says that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth, meaning that there is something about Christians that, that, is, that God has put us here for a reason. And we don't have to fear what we see around us because we trust Jesus and we know that ultimately we are safe and secure in him and our future is sealed in him. And so, again, as we look at this, and we're going to go through this account in, in Genesis of the fall, um, remember that this was the starting point. This is where it kind of began to unravel. But there's hope at the end of it all, you know, and we know that. So just keep that in, in mind as we go. So in Genesis chapter 3, we'll begin at verse 1. I'm, I'm going to read 1 through 13 
to give us this snapshot picture to work from. So three, uh, Genesis 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said, no, said to the woman, you, sh- you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that our hearts are prepared to receive uh, the message that you have for us. Let our hearts be changed today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just to go through this a bit, just to unpack a few things before we move forward, is it, there in, in verse 5, we see very quickly really what's been repeated throughout all of time since man was created. In verse 5, it says, For God knows, this is Satan speaking, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The reality, as we covered last week, Adam and Eve were already made in the image of God. God does not make mistakes. And God said after creating man that everything was very good. Okay, very good. And so there was nothing else needed, but yet here is this temptation, as I said last week, that where we run into problems is, is when we elevate ourselves higher than we should be or make ourselves lower, equal with the animals. We, we have a position that God has put us in. And so here we see this desire, not a desire, but a temptation to be higher and to be equal with God. All right? They, up until this point, Adam and Eve had no sin. They were righteous because their sin had not entered yet, all right? So they, they did not need, there was just an external temptation from the enemy. And then as we know, Eve chose to partake of the fruit, all right? And where was, where was Adam the whole time? He was standing right there, right? It says, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate, so all the guys that had jabbed their wives, it's all your fault, right? Adam was standing there the entire time and not taking his place as the guy, right? He should have bopped Satan over the head, the serpent, and sent him on his way, and we'd all be probably looking at each other in a very different place right now, right? Yeah? I always jokingly say, I think when we all get to heaven, I'm sure Adam and Eve are going to have a very long line of people waiting to speak to them and express some of their, uh, their discontentment. But Adam was there, and, and as we see, they both ate, and they realized suddenly that they were naked. And what did they do? It says they sewed fig leaves together. What did this do? This instantly caused division between them. They were ashamed of who, of who, who else was there, all right? It's not like they were in a crowd of people, Suddenly, they were ashamed of their nakedness. And so they, auto, they right there at the beginning, they, they sewed fig leaves, and they caused a division between themselves. They didn't trust each other. And then to take it a step farther, and the man and his wife hid themselves when they heard God coming, listen, from the presence of the Lord. This isn't even my sermon yet. This is all free stuff just for you, okay? 
They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Listen, when you are struggling, when you fall into sin, this is the problem, is your tendency is to pull away and to hide yourself or try from Almighty God who sees everything, try to hide yourself, try to hide away because you're ashamed and you want to hide your sin. When the reality is, is you need to be confessing your sin, getting rid of your sin, and pressing into the presence of God. We are to press in, and we are supposed to go into God's presence, but we cannot do so when sin is present. And we see here in Adam and Eve that sin was now present, wasn't it? And so they were pulling away from the presence of God. As we talked about last week, you know, this amazing picture of, of Adam walking in the cool of the evening with God, his creator. What an amazing image we have of that time before sin entered. And then from the heart, of course, that still is ever clear today, the man said, the woman, all right, shifting blame, all right, but, but now notice what, what Adam did. He took it even a step further that you, God, gave me, right? The woman that you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Yes, she jammed the fruit into Adam's mouth and made him eat, didn't she? No, she didn't, okay? But we haven't changed much, have we? Have we? It's very easy to shift blame quickly to those around us, and even at times, we blame God. When that horrific thing happens in our life, and again, it's a struggle, and we might not understand it, but how quickly we move to blaming others and to God. And then, Eve, out of options, of course, goes to the same approach and says, the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Maybe we've heard the phrase, the devil made me do it, right? The devil made, like, I, we have no control. It was his fault. It's not ours. But we are, for some reason, it is wired in our DNA to shift blame to other people or to the devil, or to God. You see, in the beginning, temptation came to man from the outside. The serpent came to man to tempt. Just as we saw it, the shadow of it, and really the right approach when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Same thing, Satan had no power or authority over Jesus, but he still was there to tempt them, tempt him. And Jesus passed those tests, didn't he? unlike Adam and Eve. But again, the temptation came from the outside, but when, when they chose to sin, now sin is, is within our flesh. In James 1, 14 through 15, it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So many times, church, when we want to shift blame and we want to look outward and exterior and blame others and blame the devil or whatever it is, circumstances, the reality is, is that sin was birthed within ourselves, within our flesh, our sinful nature. My son, my youngest son, Joshua, I think some of you either saw these pictures on Facebook or heard the story one day we couldn't find him, and we looked all over the house. We were freaking out. We thought that maybe he had left the apartment because he's capable to do that, um, more than capable. And he could probably take the car and drive down the block. But we couldn't find him for a, a long, you know, I mean, it felt like a long time. It was maybe five, ten minutes. We're looking, and it's an apartment, so you're like, how many places can this kid be? So finally, after we looked and looked and looked, I think my one of my sons found him, but Anyway, long story short, he was under my desk in my office with a tub of ice cream going to town. It's like there was no panic on his face at all because he was perfectly content. Even though we were calling him, we were asking, Joshua, where are you? No answer, right? It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's, it is. It's funny. And you sit there and you laugh. But what, why was he hiding, Right? kind of reflected of this story we just, I'm not God, but I was about to be when I found him. Like, where were you? <laughs> but 
but, but he's hiding because he was in sin. I know it's funny, but he was, he was doing something he knew he was not supposed to be. And so he was hiding himself and not answering because he did not want to be found while he was in his enjoyable mint chocolate chip sin. Okay? Let me tell you, now I love mint chocolate chip ice cream, but I did not teach my four-year-old how to do that. I do not cower under my desk eating my chocolate chip ice cream. I walk boldly through my house because it's my house and it's my dang ice cream. So, <laughs> all right, so I don't have to do that. But my point is, is that that sin, that nature, that is, it's with, from within him, himself, okay? It's within his flesh, and so we shouldn't be surprised that that, that kind of thing happens. And it is, it's funny and cute when he's four, but when you become a man and you're still doing sin and you're still hiding, it's a little different story. Though we were made in the image of God, as we talked about last week, we are still, therefore, sinful by nature. Okay, because sin is in our flesh. Because of Adam and Eve and their falling, and we are their descendants, sin exists. No one, no one is innocent. No one is innocent. Something called original sin, it's present even in, in when a child is born because of where they come from. And, and that is something that's difficult. A lot, many times we hear or we, maybe we think about, you know, these, these unreached people groups in the world, right? And that, you know, we, we say to ourselves that it wouldn't be fair if God came and they never heard the gospel message because it's not fair that those people, those innocent people are going to go to hell. Let me assure you that those people are not innocent. And I'm pretty sure if you go to those places or if you were to get into those places, you would find sin abounding the same as it does anywhere else in the world. Now, you're right. They do need to hear the gospel message, and we, we don't stop going into all the world as we've been commanded to do. But God is justified. We don't question what God does. And God will take care of those people Many who come to Christ don't fully recognize their own sin and merely try to add Jesus to their lives rather than surrendering to him as Lord of their lives. And this is where I want to push this message a little bit is, is that I believe that in the church today, as a whole, not this church necessarily, but the church, capital C, around the world, I believe that Satan is, is pleased. I believe Satan is excited because I believe that there are a majority, I'll say, of Christians in the world today that would identify themselves as Christians, that would call themselves as Christians, that maybe even live sort of like Christians, but one day will end up in hell because they bought into a lie that they're able to be a Christian, that they're able to say that Jesus is their Lord without truly surrendering to him in obedience and dying to themselves, confessing their sins, and living a life that is holy before the Lord. Imagine if I came to your apartment today or your home, and I walked in, and you, know, you invited me over for dinner, and I walk into your living room, and I just start moving all your furniture around. I don't really like this chair. I'm going to push it over here. You know, you come out of the kitchen or wherever you're at, and you see I'm out there dragging your furniture, and I've got your TV moved to the other side, and you would look at me like, what in the world is this guy doing, right? But the reality is is that we are the same way a lot of times with Jesus when we ask him into our lives, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, when we say yes to him, because we let him do certain things, but then there's those areas of our heart that we just refuse to, to give over to him. There's areas of our life that we refuse to surrender to him as Lord. What does being Lord mean? That means you say yes, and you do what you're instructed to do, right? Again, I believe a few weeks ago, we talked about being Lord, and 
Now, there's, there's an, a negative connotation, but it, it's, it's basically master, that you are a slave to Jesus because he purchased you. Does that make sense? He purchased you with a very high price of his own blood. So you belong to him, and we're called to be obedient. So let's, let's discuss sin a little bit, shall we? Yeah, right? I've joked around with a couple people. I'm like, I can't wait to preach this message this week. This is one of those, you know, write a book and you sell one copy of it. Um, nobody likes to hear it. Nobody likes to, to look in the mirror, really, do we? But sin, it's a very broad word. I mean, it's, it's, there's many things, but I'm going I'm to boil it down to two parts. All right, the first part is fallen humanity's state of separation and alienation from God. See, our sin, and this is what we saw in, in the, the story we read, isn't it, of Adam and Eve, is they suddenly found themselves separated from God. They were hiding from God's presence. Sin had entered, and they were no longer able to be present with God because of the sin in their life. And that is the state that we all find ourselves before we say yes to Jesus. Second part of sin is this, a person's purposeful disobedience to God's will as evidenced in concrete thought or action. So we have our state where we are separated from God, but then, you know, we can, we can come to Christ, but then there are times when we choose to disobey. And again, we've hit this before, but I want to say it again. There's sins of commission and sins of omission, Right? We're pretty good, probably, at not committing sin that, uh, that is against God by, by commission. But I think where a lot of us struggle with the sins of omission, meaning those things that God has told you to do that you just, I'm not going to do that. I want you to go up to that person in the supermarket and put your fear aside, and you know God is, is nudging you to do that, and you say, no, I, I can't. So that, those are, that's sins of omission, where we have an opportunity to do something, but we choose not to act. Much like Adam, as we saw there in the, the story, right? Where was Adam? He was standing by while this whole thing was happening right in front of him. He was allowing it to take place, and then he was just going to say, well, I didn't do it. I wasn't a part of that, but he got pulled in, didn't he? So some wrong views of sin that we can take if we're not careful are, th- are these. First one is, is this basically a breaking of some rules, all right? To view sin as just breaking some rules is really to, to, to make it much less than it really is. It, it, it really takes away from the seriousness and the weight that sin carries, when we just see it as, well, you know, it's not a big deal. I just, I'm just breaking a couple rules. And that's, some, that's a way that we get ourselves into trouble because then we can reason ourselves into, well, if I break it this one time, it'll be all right. Sin is not just some rules. It is God calls us to flee from sin, to have nothing to do with sin. Another wrong view of sin is that sin is covered, so it's a free-for-all. How many of you have heard this, or maybe you've, you've been in this place yourself, like, well, God will forgive me, right? I've been there in the past. God, he'll forgive me. It'll be okay. And you go on and you do whatever it is that you wanted to do to, to find satisfaction of your flesh. And then you go later and say, God, forgive me. Many of us maybe know that it typically doesn't go that smoothly, does it? Sin will always take you farther than you want to go. And it always keep you longer than you want to stay. Another wrong view is God knows my heart. God knows my heart. You know, I just can't stop doing this. But God knows my heart. It'll be okay. Listen, God gives grace. God gives grace. Thank the Lord for grace. But God is also just. 
And God is also holy. And he does judge. All right? Another wrong view is that we must sin just a little if we want to have some fun. This is the biggest lie in the world. Me, my, my wife, Leanne, and I, we always say, like, we'll have some people over, and we just have a, we have a really good time. It's just a lot of fun. And when they leave, we're just sit there. It's like, that was an amazing time. And, you know, she's, she's like, I don't understand how people think that they have to go do the things in the world. You know, they have to go to the club, or they have to get totally hammered, you know, or just all these types of things that God is not pleased with, and that's really sin. You don't have to do that to please God, and, and you, well, not to please God, but you don't have to do that to find fulfillment and find happiness. It's not really a sin if no one gets hurt, right? It's not really a sin if no one gets hurt. This is another wrong view of sin. Here's another one. It's only a sin if you get caught. Yeah? Let me give you just a little, little message here. You always get caught, right? You will always get caught. God sees it all. You may think you got away with something, but you don't. Kids, you will always get caught. You're welcome, parents. And the last wrong view, and this is a big one, if it's popular, it's okay. Oh, my goodness. I could preach on this one alone because I've got a bunch of free material on the Internet. It's look around the world, and we see this degradation of morals, of moving away from a, a biblical center. It, the world is just, isn't it? There are things being done today that are not illegal by government standards that you just sit there and scratch your heads like, what in the world? How are you doing this and thinking that it's okay? It's good that you feel that way. That's probably a, a checkpoint for you to make sure that, you know what, hey, you're a Christian. <laughs> if it's bothering you, that's good. But don't be overtaken by the wave of this, this liberal, this, uh, this move away from God, because it's promised it's going to happen. If you read the book of Revelation at all, again, it's, sometimes it's hard to understand or whatever, but if you just get a glimpse of it, things are going to get pretty bad at some point, all right? So don't be surprised. It doesn't mean we stop doing, we don't stop, we don't stop praying, we don't stop being, again, the salt of the earth, but just, be, just know <laughs> things are going to swing to a side that's not going to be great. Don't, you can't follow what everyone else is doing anymore, all right? You have to open your Bible for yourself, and you have to get in there, and you have to know what's right and what's wrong. To go back up to this point of a person's, the, other, the second part of sin, a person's purposeful disobedience, is that we are sinful just by our nature, okay, but also in our actions. And I'm going to go through this pretty quickly uh, you can go online and get the, the notes for, to look up everything. But uh, one thing is that in our sin, we have alienated ourselves from God and are hostile towards him, Colossians 1.21. Another way that we are sinful in our actions, we are slaves to our sin and dominated by Satan. All right, John 8.34 and 2 Timothy 2.26. Listen, you are a slave to something or someone. Do you understand that? All right? You are a slave to someone. The Bible says that you are a slave to your sin in Satan, or you are a slave to Jesus. There is no in-between. There's a song, I'm sorry if it's somebody's favorite, but there's a song in the Christian world that's called no, We Are No Longer Slaves or No Longer Slave. And I understand what they're saying. They're no, no longer a slave to sin, but you are a slave still if you have, have said yes to Jesus Christ making him Lord because you belong to him. And it's not a bad thing, all right? Don't be a slave to sin. Another one, we love darkness and hate light, John 3 and Ephesians 4. We live in impurity and wickedness, wickedness Romans 6. All right, these are our actions. 
sinful actions. Our minds are depraved, blinded to the truth by the God of this world. All right? Our desires are disordered. Our hearts are sinful. And our wicked passions of our flesh wage war against our souls. Romans 1 and 1 Peter 2. Listen, our desires are disordered. Our hearts are sinful. And the wicked passions of our flesh wage war against our souls. Last one, our bodies are defiled. We are morally evil and spiritually sick. Romans 1, Genesis 8, and Matthew 9. So you see, we are all sinful by our very nature and are deserving of death. Okay? There are no good people that are living good lives in this world. I know that it's hard to, to see that or to, to, to fully grasp that or to admit that. And for many of you here today, I'm sure that you have genuinely had a conversion experience and you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. So this is what you came from. But I don't want to make, we can make the mistake in the church. I used to be part of the churches that did this. I went to like a little Bible school in a church, you know. And it's, it was one of the places where you were taught, you know, you're a king's kid and you're a royal priesthood. And these are things that are true in a sense. And if you ever said, you know, they said, you know, you don't, ever, don't ever say that you're an old sinner saved by grace because that's your past. But I, I, I would disagree in that, you know, you need to remember what it is you came from. You need to remember what it is you were saved from because you understand or get a glimpse of how much it costs to bring you out of that. All right? The severity of a sin's punishment is always directly related to the position of the person sinned against. The severity of a sin's punishment is always directly related to the position of the person sinned against. I heard this story, uh, read it actually. I'll try to convey it now to you. But um, you talk to a lot of people and they, they say, you know, I, I live a pretty good life. Um, you ask them about eternity, they might say, Maybe I'll be punished for a while, but after a while, I'll, I'll be good. I'll, you know, go to heaven or, or whatever. You know, they, they kind of think that they lived a pretty good life, and so hopefully everything weighs out. And So th this was in a pretty neat illustration. Um, let's say that I came up to my friend while here, right? I'm having a bad day, and so I just wheel back, and I slap while right across the face just because I'm just having a bad day. Now, Wal and I, we know each other well, and, you know, we're friends, and I don't know. I think that Wilde might give me a free pass, you know, because we have a, a relationship, and he's like, well, maybe Dell's just having a bad day, and I'll, I'll give him this, you know, but maybe I'm not going to talk to him for a while, okay? Now, let's move on, and let's say I go out on the street here in Kuwait, and I walk up to some random stranger, and whoosh, Right across the face. Smack him right across the face. I don't know where you, you're at, but I, I think I know probably the response. Would probably not be as gracious as Wile was because he doesn't know me. He's probably going to either return a slap or something further, and we would probably get into some kind of altercation. Now, again, that's bad. Now, let's say I went out on the street, and I looked around for a while, and I came up to a checkpoint. And I got out of my car, and I walked up to the guy at the checkpoint, the police officer, and I still was like, Psh, right across the police officer's face. Now, how do, you, how do you think that would go down? All right? Probably some of this, right? Handcuffs. i probably get a free, free ride in the police car and get a nice stay at a jail. Okay? Maybe longer than that. All right? So, so you... You see that that's, that's probably what would happen in that case. Now, let's say I get invited to the palace. 
and I get a chance to meet the emir, the king of this country, as he puts out his hand to shake mine, I'm having another bad day, and I slap him across the face. Now, I can't be for certain because I've never done this, but I'm pretty sure bad things would follow that. Most likely, I would probably be, yes, I would probably be killed. I'd probably be put to death. Okay? Now, we have sinned, slapped in the face, however you want to say it, against the God of this universe. Do you, do you understand the severity of, of our sin? Okay? If that's what slapping a man would do in a, in a high position, I would be deserving of death. Imagine the God of this universe, and in our sin, what his response would be, and how there is no getting around that death is what's demanded. God has called us, and this is why God has called us, to die to sin. All right? To die to sin. In Matthew 16, 24 through 26, it says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You see, when we say yes to Jesus, it's not just praying a prayer. It's saying yes to the demand to lose our lives. Right? And that is not, I'm not speaking figuratively in any way, shape, or form there. There are many people around this world, by saying yes to Jesus, they expect death will, is going to come that their time here may be cut short because of their decision. One thing that jumped out to me in this scripture is that, you know, we are supposed to take up our cross, correct? That's what the scripture says. Do you all hear that, or do I need to read it again? Okay. We're supposed to take up our cross. And I, I said this a lot. I, I get it. I, I've understood it. I've studied it. Take up your cross. And, and something, again, what's amazing with scripture, something new always comes out. And I was sitting there. And I, I was just praying and going through this, this verse, and suddenly I realized that carrying a cross is not an end in and of itself. Jesus, as our example, he was beaten and, and scour, scourged and everything, scourged, all these things, and horrific things were done, and then he carried his cross, didn't he? And that was a horrific event. Imagine the state that he was in, and as he drugged this huge wooden cross down the streets, and he was so weak that he had to have help to finish, right? But it wasn't the end in and of itself, was it? The cross had a destination. Carrying the cross wasn't the end. Jesus crucified to the cross was the picture of the end. Here Jesus is calling us to carry our cross, and so while there is suffering and everything else, and, and that's, that's good to understand that, understand that ultimately by carrying your cross means that you will die or should be in a place ready to die, expecting to die because of Jesus. Now, again, we don't live in a place where people are going to come bursting down the door. We didn't have to come in you know, small groups and sneak in here. We're able to, to worship freely, but the, the, the demand is no less.
You see, one of the problems that the church has, and what I alluded to to begin with and mentioned at the onset of this, is that we have made this sinner's prayer so watered down. We have said, all you have to do is say this prayer. And I'm, I'm there too, okay? So don't understand. I'm not, I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself. Just say this prayer, right? Confess your sins and da da da, and, and, and you're saved and you're good to go. And on one sense, you're right, it is that easy, but on another sense, it's not. It's more than just saying something with your mouth. Is there a transformation following saying that prayer? Or do you go on just living the same way you did before you said it? To that, I would say you are not a Christian. If there is not change in your life, I'm going, again, you are not saved. Where is the fruit? At some point, there needs to be fruit. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is always speaking in parables, and he talks about you will know by their fruit. An apple tree cannot produce oranges. Is there fruit? George Whitfield, when asked how many, how many were saved at one time or at one of his crusades, I mean, he would have thousands come to Christ. And one of the neat things he, he said, he says, we will see in six months or a year, we'll see how many were truly saved. You see, we can, we can, I can play the music, we can have the worship team come, and I can set the mood, dim the lights, and I can say the right things to emotionally get you to move, and you can come forward and say a prayer, and you can walk out of this church saying, I'm, I'm a Christian. All right, where are we, what are we doing? Let's go party. That's, that's what we've come down to, church. And we need to challenge this because the problem is, is, again, like I said before, Satan is dancing with joy because you have people sitting in churches hearing feel-good messages that don't challenge them. They walk out the door and in the door every single week without ch changing, and they're doing nothing to further the kingdom of God, yet they think they're going to stand before God on Judgment Day and say, yep, where's my seat at the table? What we are left with, in the words of David Platt, is unconverted believers. Unconverted believers. Did you know that Satan believes in God? Believing in God is not the end of itself. You can believe in God and still not serve God with him as Lord of your life. David Platt says this, we have subtly and deceptively minimized the magnitude of what it means to follow him. We've replaced challenging words from Christ with trite phrases in the church. We've taken the lifeblood out of Christianity and put Kool-Aid in its place so that it tastes better to the crowds and the consequences are catastrophic. Why is the world not being changed today, church? It's because the church is crippled. The church is full of people who are not truly serving God as their Lord and Savior. The church today is full of Christians in name only, but many are on their way to hell. And if you're convicted, if you're here in this place and you're convicted today, that's great. You know why? Because God lets you wake up this morning and there's, you have a chance. You can repent and you can move forward. If you've never said yes, you can say yes to him. But we have to understand, we must recognize that we are sinful people by nature. Okay? We are sinful by nature. There is sin in our flesh. 
There's not too many things in this world, I don't think there's anything, that demands somebody to die and to shed their blood to pay for something. All right? It didn't cost some money. It didn't cost a house. It didn't cost fame. It didn't cost any of that. It cost Jesus to die on the cross to cover your sins and to pay a price that you simply could not pay. As we get ready to close here, Abiel, can you come, come forward, please? Let me ask you today, church, have you asked the Holy Spirit to show you the sin in your life? Have you asked God, is there sin in my life? Now, again, I believe that many, maybe some of you here today have said the prayer, but truly haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, all right? And if you have, have not done that, we would be happy to pray with you and to do that today, if it's genuine. I don't, I don't need people to come to Christ for my fame. I don't need people to come to Christ to solidify my being a pastor. I need people to come to Christ because people need to recognize their sin and that they are helpless without Jesus. In Matthew 7, verse 21, scripture I refer to often, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Listen, I, I grew up in a, a, the, the era of time when, you know, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, if you've heard of that, or, I mean, the, the, all of the Left Behind series was out. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to scare anybody. That's not, that's not the purpose of this message. The purpose of this message is to sober us as believers. And if I can shake you a little bit, I want to shake you a little bit today. Because you need to know where you stand. You need to know, and you can only you know the answer to this. You and God, is he truly Lord of your life? Now, there may have been a, a genuine conversion at, at one point, and maybe you've kind of drifted a bit. Maybe you've been caught up with the things of this world. Okay, and there's, there's forgiveness for that. You don't, you don't need to ask Jesus back into your life again. But is there fruit in your life today? Is there fruit in your life? It's a simple question. All right, what, is, what does it look like? I'm not... Are you living out what God has called you to do? Are you being a Christian? Are you sharing the good news with somebody? Now, I'm not saying that you have to stand up at your desk at work and, you know, have a sermon and an altar call. But I'm saying, are you sharing the good news? If I came home with you today and I observed you and your spouse, would I see that you, man, Men, you love your wife as Christ loved the church. Women, are you honoring and respecting your husbands? It's what the Bible calls us to do, right? And we, we're all growing in certain areas, but we should, there should be something. Church, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up our time here as we we're running short, but Jesus loves you. It's as simple as a child's song. Jesus loves you. And he came to earth and he died to pay us.
price that he didn't deserve. He paid for something that he didn't do. But basically to make a way to restore relationship. As we read in the first part of Genesis last week, where man was walking hand in hand with God in the cool of the evening in this beautiful place. Jesus came to give you that. In his book, uh, I believe Holiness by J.C. Ryle, he says this, men will never come to Jesus and stay with Jesus and live for Jesus unless they really know why they are to come and what is their need. Those whom the Spirit draws to Jesus are those whom the Spirit has convinced of sin. Without thorough conviction of sin, men may seem to come to Jesus and follow him for a season, but they will soon fall away and return to the world. When you accepted Christ, were you was it because you were convicted of sin or was it an emotional sort of stirring that you just said, okay, bow your heads today, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time here today. We thank you for this message, though it's sometimes challenging. It is challenging to hear, Lord God. And God, I pray that each person here are just open to hear from you. Pray you speak to them now. Speak to us now, Lord, by your spirit. If you're here in this place and you've perhaps prayed a prayer in the past or you've nonchalantly because of uh, a moment or maybe somebody pushed you to do it or maybe just the mood was right. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus, but you realize that you have yet to truly make him Lord of your life. Today is the day that you can do that. Spirit has shown you that there's the sin in your life and that there's ongoing sin and that there's there's not been a change, that there isn't fruit in your life that you are a follower of Christ. If, if I went with you to work t- tomorrow or this week and asked some of your co-workers, would they recognize that you're a follower of Christ or would they just think you're just like them? Perhaps you're here in this place and you you did say yes to Jesus and you made him Lord of your life, but maybe you've gotten a bit off track. Maybe you've come to Kuwait in search of a, a, a better job or a better life and you've made that really the most important thing and you've pursued your career more than you pursued Jesus. just to sit in God's presence. And I believe the Spirit of God is, is stirring people here today. If you're in this place today and, and you find yourself in either of those positions, I just want you to, would you raise your hand? followers of Christ, then great. 
for those that are here that are truly followers of Jesus, which many are, I hope this message today has challenged you to help you get things back into line, to pursue Jesus and to pursue what's important to him and to be obedient to what he's called you to do, sharing the gospel with those that are around you, showing the love of Christ to those people that are unlovable. I hope it's renewed your relationship and your commitment to Jesus. Because I promise you, if you step out and do what he's asked you to do in obedience, you will experience something amazing. You will experience the love of God and the grace that is only known when you're truly doing what God has called you to do. Would you stand? We're going to close with a, a song here. I just want to say, just God bless you. Don't find yourself ever running from the presence of God. Okay? If you sin, that's the beauty of being in Christ is that there's forgiveness. We make mistakes. We're not perfect people. And Jesus loves you. Okay? If you sin, ask for forgiveness. And it's there. before you ask for forgiveness there must be repentance and that's seeing your own sin and recognizing it and then there needs to be a turning away from that you don't just say forgive me Lord then go back the next day and do the same thing again and if you're struggling with something today talk to someone talk to a brother or sister here I'm available as well I'd be happy to pray with you you don't need to journey alone there are things in our lives that we struggle with sometimes make it through. Jesus will bring you through. Let's sing this song.
pray the benediction. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he lift his countenance upon you this week and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. There's no rush to leave, um, so you can stick around, or if you need to leave, that's fine. So we'll see you next week.